Hello, my friend Amy Robeson here, and I am so excited you have arrived. The universe would only bring us together if you were ready, and you clearly are. You're ready to manifest the life you truly desire. You're ready to evolve. You're ready to have a self-discovery. And most importantly, you're ready to awaken to the infinite possibilities that your heart and soul is desiring for you to manifest. Let's buckle up together and go on this crazy journey. I can't wait to see what infinite possibilities you manifest into your life. So let's get started. Hey everyone, I'm super excited for today's special guest. He is my husband and I'm super excited to have a conversation with him about his book, I Am In Control, and also have a conversation just around what it looks like to have a partner that may have different spiritual paths or different thoughts about spiritual practices. And we'll have a conversation about what that looks like as well. So hello. Hello. How are you? I'm great. Good. I'm excited you're here. Well, I'm excited to be here. Yay. So I know that you wrote a self-help book. Why did you write that book? So it was more or less accidental. My intention when I when I sat down to write the book, I was in my early 30s. I had been a bit of a self-help junkie since you know 18, 19 years old. And, you know, read all kinds of books, attended professional seminars. One of the things that was important to me was to somehow log or document things that have worked in my life. And the important part about that was I didn't want anything that was, you know, theory or, you know, hypothetical or whatever. I wanted something that was tested, tried true, that I actually put forth in my life that I saw success with. So I sat down, literally just started handwriting cliff notes, if you will, on different things that have worked for me so I could revisit it, you know, whether that be every quarter, semi-annually, whatever the case may be. And it was really just to kind of keep me on track and give me a compass, if you will, on the direction I need to head. And that was the intention. That's what I sat down to do. Again, everything was, was handwritten. And I have you to thank for actually suggesting and nudging that I publish it. So I remember you had reviewed it and you said that basically to the fact that it's something that should be shared with the world, which uh, you know me very well is not something that I would do on my own. But anyway, I gave it more thought and I did think, well, you know, if it can help somebody and have an impact on somebody's life, then it's worth it. And that's essentially what I did. But in the self-help space, the one thing that is a pet peeve of mine is there's a lot of regurgitation. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a lot of people that will rewrite things. I mean, success principles have been around since the existence of mankind. So there's not a whole lot of variables. But I wanted something that I actually did that worked for me and that brought me success in in my professional and personal life. And that's essentially how it came about. And the book is short and super easy to digest. And it's something that you wanted to have to review quarterly or semi-quarterly, which I love because it's a very short book that helps you to remember that you're in control of your own destiny, you're in control of your own mindset, you're in control of your own spiritual path as well. And there's some different tips that you offer in the book. And one of the things that you talk about is the law of attraction. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. Sure. Yeah. And, and going back to reviewing these things and basically having a platform that I could go back to 
it was essentially a conversation with myself. If I ever got off track, this is what I want to do. But the title itself is funny because, you know, when I first started sharing this, and especially when I published it, it's, it sounds kind of pretentious, you know, that I am in control. And as you read the book, you'll understand the meaning of that. We can't control much of anything, you know, when it comes to the outside world. What we can absolutely control is, is how we react to something, you know, our attitude, reactions, everything internally changes our outside world. So to me, that's where the title came from is really no matter what life throws at you, you are still at the end of the day in control of how you react to these situations. And that comes back to law of attraction. I mean, for me, law of attraction has been something that has been phenomenal in my life. I've seen a lot of results from it. And it's basically just putting into the universe what it is that you want. You know, where are you trying to attract? Because where your attention goes grows. Mm-hmm. And that could be negative or positive. Absolutely. So it's it's very important to always have a vision of how you want your life to be spiritually, personally, professionally, you know, from a family setting, whatever the case may be. And through the law of attraction, you know, it will find its way to you. And that's why that's so important. And I love that you said where your attention grows, mm-hmm. because so often we'll fester on the things that we don't want. Absolutely. Or what's happening to us versus taking control of how we can react to what is actually happening to us because we can choose a different reaction. We could choose a different path. I also love that with the law of attraction, I also love bringing in like the law of vibration because how we feel about something can also play into the law of attraction and how we're attracting it. And that also goes back into mindset as well. I love that you shared a study in the book around visualization Mm -hmm. and what that looks like. Sure. Share a little bit of the importance of visualization for you. Yeah. So visualization is very important. It's something I put a lot of focus on. And I was actually just sharing with somebody the other day. It's it's funny, moved into a new house that we've been renovating for quite some time. And I had this vision of getting out of bed, getting ready in the morning, going to a custom closet. I mean, literally the manifestation of everything, putting on something nice, sport coat, what have you, going outside, getting in a car, driving down, you know, our beautiful driveway up the property and going and, and giving a public presentation. And then about four weeks ago. While I was literally in the motion of doing these things, preparing to go and do a public speaking for a networking event, it just hit me. It's like, this is exactly what I was visualizing. And I've done that throughout my whole life. I, you know, I think that we have to be careful and mindful. You know, our, our mind is a, a blank canvas and we hold the brushes. Mm-hmm. And what we want that to look like is something I spent a lot of time just sitting in. And the study that you're referring to, there's an author who's had a huge impact on me when I read it. It's Dr. Maxwell Marx. He wrote a book called Psycho-Cybernetics. A lot of people haven't heard of it, but he was actually a plastic surgeon by profession. He started having patients come in and they wanted a modification to something physically on their body. And he would do that. I mean, that was his profession. That's how he paid his bills. But he had these habitual people that came back and literally had he had nothing else that he could offer them physically so inadvertently he started looking psychologically you know well what is this you know what can we change about you because it's not it's not on the physical it's not on the exterior it's on the internal and he references a study that always stuck with me and they actually did three different groups and the study was free throws so on a basketball court 
and they had one group, they were literally told to do nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, don't go to the gym and practice. Don't think about it. Just literally show up test day. Okay. So that was one group. Second group was we want you to go to the basketball court for an hour every single day, you know, for a month leading up to the test and just habitually physically practice free throws. The third and final group, he actually had them sit for whether it be 30 minutes or an hour every day leading up to the test in a dark room with their eyes closed, doing nothing, but visualizing just sinking free throw after free throw, but never physically touching a ball. So come test day, he brought all three groups together to physically shoot hoops. And the first group that did nothing, obviously, they didn't do well. They were the worst performing. What was interesting was the group that never touched a basketball, but actually sat and visualized habitually just sinking free throws, did the best. And I remember reading that, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was already seeing the manifestation in my own life of the power of visualization. And then when I read that, it was like, okay, well, there is something to this. I mean, keep in mind, I was 19 years old, so I didn't have all the wisdom that we have today. (laughs) So these were things that were huge breakthroughs for me. And to this day, you know, whether it be, we'll go back to public speaking, you know, I've always even set out my car previous to going into anywhere I had to public speak. And I would just sit and visualize, you know, giving a great presentation, the crowd reaction, you know, having a breakthrough and and channeling a message through me, I had a great impact. So visualization is extremely important. How often do you do your visualizations? I do it quite a bit, but to be honest with you, I really kind of ramp it up when things aren't going well. You know, if I'm stressed out or if I'm finding myself anxious or overwhelmed, that's kind of a ticker to myself that, okay, hold on. You know, now again, where my attention goes grows. So if I'm in a space of fear or doubt, that's not where I want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, so I will try to, okay, well, let's visualize the outcome of this. And it ties into another portion of my book. I call it fear versus faith. And that's a topic that I know I've got a lot of feedback on from readers that was very impactful for them. And to me, I always try to simplify everything. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's extremely simple. If you think about the definition of fear is believing something is going to happen before it actually happens. The definition of faith is believing something will happen before it actually happens. So if neither one of them have actually happened yet, why not put all your mental energy into one that's going to have the best outcome? Yeah, absolutely. So that's what I try to do. So going back to your question, you know, where do I put that? I try to do it all the time. I try to be consistent with, and even my morning meditations, you know, or even before I get out of bed, you know, I have a little gratitude session every morning. My feet will not hit the floor until I have had a gratitude session, which really sets the tone for the day. But I try to visualize the outcome of how I want every appointment to go, every interaction, whatever. And then I go out to my day, you know, that way I'm not reacting all day you know, to things yeah. that come my way, I feel that, you know, it, it kind of has already put me in a good headspace and mindset to approach the day in the most effective way I know how. And I love that because I think so often people get stuck in fear For and sure. that fear becomes whatever other emotion that starts to percolate and overtake them, which could be overwhelm. It could be anger. It could be frustration. It could be shutdown mode. Oh, sure. And I think that having a visualization that can create a positive impact on your daily outlook, not even necessarily going like in the study, they show free throws. Does that mean that those people are going to be the best free throw shooters ever in the world? Probably not, but they did better than the other test study. What would that be candidates? Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I think that visualization is a super powerful thing. And we can listen to guided visualizations to help us shift our energy. What would you say to someone that says, when I listen to guided visualizations, or if I sit in meditation and I try to visualize something, I don't see anything. What would you say to that person? Well, it's kind of a loaded question. When it comes to meditation, you know, and you could speak better on this than I can. You've had a meditation practice longer than I have. But I think the important part on that is, you know, take the pressure off yourself. There, there's no, there's no wrong way to meditate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll sit down sometimes and I feel like I'm in a great headspace, but I'll never really have the breakthrough that I'm hoping I would have, but that's okay. It's called practice. It's not something that I think is ever mastered. You know, it's something that we practice every day. We just try to get better. You have good days, you have bad days, but I think, you know, to couple that, I used to do a lot of presentations at a, uh, a homeless shelter where I taught life skills. And one of the things I always try to give them life tools that could help them in situations that maybe they've never learned or they're not equipped. They don't have a, you know, they don't have these tools in their toolbox available to them. So one of the things I used to do is I would have a participant somewhere in a crowd. I would say, I want you to really think about something that's bothering you, something that's stressing you out. Let's do that right now with everyone. Okay, sure. Here. So take a moment. Yeah. So basically take a moment. I mean, it's different. Obviously you're not in front of me now, but when I have an audience, what I would tell them is, you know, close your eyes and I want you to really sit in a space of something that's bothering you, whether it's, you know, stressing you out, frustrating you, worrying you, whatever it is, but I don't want you to say it out loud. I want you to keep it within yourself and just really go to that space. And it could be extremely uncomfortable. Let all the emotions come up. Let it all come up. I mean, really, really go to that space that you've been trying to avoid and just sit in it for a minute. And then when you feel it and you're kind of overwhelmed by these, you know, quote unquote, negative emotions. Next thing I want you to do is I want you to now think about something that you're extremely grateful for. You know, something that you feel incredibly blessed to have in your life. You're incredibly fortunate to have. And then what I would ask them is, what happened to the other one? And it's crazy because every single time I ever did this, they would open their eyes and they're like, I don't remember. <laughs> and they would actually laugh because they're just like, where did it go? And I'm seeing you do it. And it's such a powerful exercise. So y'all, if you're ever in a bad space where you're just stuck in a loop and it's just going over and over and over and over and over again, and you can't get out of it, this is a super powerful exercise because you can shift from allowing yourself to feel your emotions, which we talk about, feel your emotions, and then shift to gratitude, Mm -hmm. choose something different. And that could be something that brings you great joy. And it could just be as simple as, Oh, I got the best cup of tea today. Sure. And I've seen you do this on stage. The person literally is like, I can't even pull it up right now because I'm so grateful for whatever it is that they were thinking about. And yeah, it's it's amazing. You can see a physical transformation. Yes. I mean, you could see them bound up, very tense on the first half of it. And with the gratitude, you can literally see it melt away. And there's science behind it. It's one or the other. You know, you can't have worry, doubt, insecurity in a mind that is full of gratitude. No. And I'm not a, a neuroscientist. I can't explain why that is, but I know it's true. Well, the law of gratitude is one of the spiritual laws. Sure. And so when we move into gratitude, our vibration rises, and then we start playing with all the other spiritual laws that allows us to change our vibration and our interaction with the universe. And then the universe sends us more of those. Plus, we get a dopamine and a serotonin hit as well, which is really awesome. 
Right. And going back to why I have found that that's extremely powerful before I even step out of bed. And, you know, if you're in a hurry, if your alarm clock goes off, you're running late, like you don't have to sit there and like, well, Kyle said, you know, I have to go through a gratitude session. So my clients are just going to have to wait. (laughs) No, it's as simple as literally when your feet hit the floor, it could be thank you. Yes. You know, if you have nothing else, do that. And it's just, it's just shifting that mindset to approach your day with gratitude. And then you'll find as, you know, as this becomes a habit, like anything else, it gets easier and you'll also naturally start finding more things throughout your day to be grateful for. And then I, I personally, you know, do that before I go to bed as well. Mm -hmm. I'll recap my day. Another little trick I'll do on that is if I had just, despite all my great tools, if I had just a bad day, I will lay in bed before I close my eyes to go to sleep and I will replay those events, but I will tweak a different outcome. So if something, let's say a, a business meeting I had didn't go as I planned, I will visualize basically not the reality of what happened, but what I would have liked to have happened. And it's crazy what that sends out to universe too, because a lot of times when I see that person again or whatever event that I was you know, overwhelmed by or frustrated or disappointed by the situation is better because mm-hmm. I did that internally. And the reason that is, is most of the things we worry about aren't a big deal. Right. So we take it to bed with us. We ponder on it again, where our attention goes, grows. So it becomes this big thing that actually wasn't reality anyway. Um, so if we can, if we can change that and our neurotransmitters at night or on our way to our work in the morning, it changes our, our reality because our perception is 100% our reality. Right. And I think that sometimes we perceive the situation 10 times worse than the other person. Of course. And that's not always the case. Sometimes the other person in the situation or the other people in the situation have a different perception of than what you had. And it might be worse on their end than what you perceived it. But when we go back and start analyzing the conversations and what could have been said and how it could have been said, you can go into analysis paralysis. And then also that dims your light and you give away your power. And so by going back through and just tweaking the little things that you wish you could have done differently, it changes the way that you perceive the outcome. And also for me, that also changes the way that your body, mind, and soul is reacting to the situation, then you're not stuck in the past as well. Exactly. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the exercise, if nothing else, will get you to, to pause and identify the lesson. Yes. You know, and that's, that's a mantra of mine is whether it's a good day, a hard day, a challenging day, whatever the case may be, you know, I always thank God for the blessings and the lessons mm-hmm. because they're one or the other, but when you frame it like that, no matter what happened, there's a benefit. There's a positive outcome. If things didn't go the way you wanted to, well, hey, that's a lesson day. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and we all want everything to just go beautifully where we just, oh man, like this is such a, a blessing today. And that happens too. Like, you know, but it's again how we frame it. And if we have things that don't go quite as we anticipated, but we say, hey, I picked up the lessons here, then we're gonna be better for that. Yeah. We're going to move into the next day in the next chapter of our life saying, okay, I did all these things that didn't really work out, but I actually took the time to identify why it didn't work out. I thank God for the lesson and then I can move forward. And that alone will change that into a positive. Absolutely. And I think that there's this misconception that everything's supposed to be perfect each day and everything's supposed to be 
not stressful at all. Oh, that's it's only just... on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> that's not real, y'all. That's not real. But when we do have those character building moments and character building days, it allows us to shape our character, shape our lives and shape our reality in whatever way, positive or negative. And so it's totally up to us and we are in control of that destiny, which is really neat. Let's talk about your spiritual path. I know that when you and I both met, I wouldn't say we're as spiritual as we are now. Our spirituality has changed and morphed throughout the years. And I know for me, when we met, I was very much into yoga and I was going to church and I believed in God, but I was still working on my stuff. And then when you and I moved in together, I really started diving deep because I was starting to get depressed and I was feeling that I didn't want to go into such a depressive state that I wanted to take my life or I didn't want to go there again. And so I found meditation and you were super supportive of it. I actually asked you to buy me the course for my birthday because I was super excited about it. So you, you supported me in that path. I know not every spouse out there or romantic partner for people out there understands that. What would you say to someone that is starting on this path that is really excited, but maybe they don't have that support system at home? Well, you know, that's a tough one. I would say not to oversimplify, but your spiritual journey is, is your own. Mm-hmm. The quick backstory on mine, I was not raised religious at all. I was not in a religious household. My sister and I had, I think, one short period of time that we were in a Bible study. Mm-hmm. That was essentially like a, an extra daycare. You know, like my parents had things to do. They weren't in there. You know, they dropped us off. And that's fine. So I, you know, as I was coming through, I had a big spiritual quest, you know, basically 19 to maybe 24 when I was young, I, I wanted to know more. I wanted to get answers. And I've read the Bible cover to cover three times, you know, and what I'll say on that, and, and I respect all religions. To me, I think the important part is you believe in something. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that for me anyway, this is strictly my opinion. Um, I have tremendous faith in a, in a very robust spiritual life but I wouldn't say I'm overly religious. Right. If that makes sense. So for me, it's, it's something that has been a journey within, you know, I do believe in God. I do believe in a higher power, you know, things of that nature. But the important part on that is, like I said before, just believing in something, mm-hmm. you know, having some direction, having some purpose, but also having the compassion and, and tolerance to understand that not everybody else has to believe the way you believe. Exactly. And even if people are atheists, if they don't believe in anything, well, that's still a belief. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still something that, that they're passionate about. But when it comes to a spiritual walk, the biggest recommendation I would say on that is I think that what I've learned in my life is doubt is where research and understanding starts. Mm-hmm. So if there's something that you know, I'm, I'm naturally a skeptic, you know, it's something that I work on all the time, but again, I take that as a blessing because if I'm skeptical about something, it will initiate me to start researching it yeah. and dig into it. 
And when I was going to a lot of churches, as I was going through the, the Bible and whatever, I never just took whatever a preacher or, you know, somebody up in front of a congregation said as the gospel, you know, I would make a note and it was naturally like, eh, we'll see about that. Mm -hmm. You know, and then I would go home. Well, what did it do? It caused me to go into the book, Yeah. you know, and caused me to look at it. And a lot of times my interpretations were different than what I'd heard on Sunday. And so I would go back to the preacher and, you know, I was very inquisitive and I would just say, Hey, you know, no offense. I'm, I'm new to this. I'm, I'm in my spiritual walk. You said something last Sunday. I went home, you know, I read it myself. My interpretation is this, your interpretation is that. And we had good conversations. And that's kind of how I dissected that and worked my way through it. And it's not something that I still do a lot to this day. I have a better understanding of my belief system, the things that I'm comfortable with. But, you know, I'm also 41 years old and had a lot of life experiences. And as you know, several near-death experiences that have really shifted my thought process on a lot of things. So, you know, I guess to answer your question, if I have, or I don't know if I have or not, but <laughs> it's, it's different for everybody and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. I think where it becomes a problem is if I feel, well, this is how it is for me. And so it has to be the same for y'all. Well, yeah. no, that by any standard, any religious practice is not the way you want to do it. Yeah. And I think that even when you started getting into meditation, there is this desire within me that was like, I want to tell you everything that I know. Mm. And here's how I learned it. And here's how you're supposed to do it. But that's not your path. Mm -hmm. I remember us being at a bookstore and you picking up this meditation book that you were so excited about. And I looked at it and internally I was like, that's not a book for me, but I'm so happy you're into meditation. I'm so happy mm -hmm. that you're wanting to investigate this more and practice it in the way that you were taught to do it it looked different than the way that I was taught to do it, Sure, which I think is cool. It is cool. And I think that that's the caution. That's the downfall. I mean, you know, as the saying goes, there's nothing more judgmental than a new Christian. And that's no offense to anybody's faith. It's just when we discover something new, we feel we're excited about it and we want to share it with people. And that's wonderful, you know, spread the word, but understand that people are on their own path. Same with our the meditation example. I was intimidated. I mean, you were very much into your meditation practice. It was still a weird thing to me. I didn't quite understand, <laughs> but I wanted it. You know, I wanted to know more about it. And really, when I when I seeked it out, what I just wanted in my life more of was stillness. Yeah. You know, I had five companies I was running. I was burning the candle at all ends, and I just wanted to disconnect every now and then. And that was my intention. It kind of still is to this day. Now, when I go into my meditation, you know, I'm not necessarily going through chakras or having a lot of visualization. Sometimes I do, but my whole intention, if I can quote unquote, meet my goal in meditation is to separate from my physical being. That's what's important to me. And a mantra I use a lot is, you know, I'm not my body. I'm not even my mind. Mm -hmm. I'll say that over and over until there's literally a, a disconnect between who I am here in the physical and then who I ultimately am. Right. Mm -hmm. And when I hit that point, I'm good. You know, like that's, that's what I want to get accomplished. I just, I have to have that separation. And again, as I go out through my day that I'm not reactionary, I feel things kind of come at me a little bit slower and I can make better decisions because I'm not just completely led by my physical being and my lust or desires or whatever the case may be, because there's infinite intelligence and I am an infinite being. And that's something that has helped me. So I would just say, don't worry about messing it up. 
yeah. whether that's meditation, whether that's being inquisitive about a, a religion or a faith practice that you're interested in, go with it. But keep your options open. You know, keep your mind open to everybody. And if we're all being good human beings, walking each other home, that's what we ultimately want is somebody that's compassionate, that loves us for who we are, no matter what we believe in. You know, as long as it's not violent or hurting anybody, then do you. you know? Yeah. Do whatever works for you. I think that's important because I know for me, when I started going into all sorts of different spiritual practices, you were just like, what are you doing? Mm. <laughs> because it was very different than what it looked like when we first started dating. And because I started going into a lot of yoga philosophy and wanting to deepen that experience because I wanted to heal my childhood trauma. And that was one of the past. And I so appreciated that you didn't understand it, but you supported me in it. Well, I also saw positive impact it was having on your life. Mm -hmm. So as somebody that loves you with all my heart, why would I not like something that brings the best out in you? You know, that makes you, you know, a better person every day that then I want to strive to keep up. It's like, hey, she's really taken off here and she seems to have better tools in her toolbox than I do. And so maybe I need to, number one, I'm, I'm happy for you, but I, it nudged me in my own journey as well. Yeah. And it's been so great seeing how that has morphed and changed just the way that you react to things too, which mm -hmm. is awesome. What would you say to someone that's just starting this path and wanting to kind of shift their reality? What advice would you give them? Again, you know, you're, you're the artist holding the brush on a, on a blank canvas. And I think going back to your point too, where maybe I didn't understand the things that you were getting into, I think that's natural. You know, I mm -hmm. think that we, we tend to be intimidated or we have fear of things that are not familiar or that are beyond our understanding. And so sometimes, you know, our, our ego will put up a wall where it might say, well, I don't like that. Well, who am I to say I don't like it? It's just, I don't understand it. Right. So I can try to find a better understanding. And again, I go back to that, that all knowledge starts with skepticism. Mm -hmm. So if you're skeptical about something like, yeah, I don't know about this. Good. As long as you don't stop there and you just judge somebody because they're different from you. Right but it forces you to start walking your own path and your own discovery. That's a beautiful thing. If I would have said, oh, you know, you're right. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. I can't even imagine how our lives would be right now. I don't even think we'd be together because right. of the way things have unfolded, it just felt too good to not be true for my soul. Mm. Well, that's a great point too. I mean, I think when you find it, you'll know. Yeah. And you'll know to your core, like, this is good. I need to stay on this or, you know, eh, maybe I need to tweak this, wherever the case may be. But I think especially in, in a marriage or, you know, any kind of long-term partnership you have, if somebody is growing and the other person isn't, there's going to be an issue. Oh, for sure. And they don't have to be growing the same directions, but growth, you know, in a yeah. positive direction. And that's what's exciting is, I mean, you and I, if we could be dropped back when we first met, we'd be like, who are these, you know, lunatics? <laughs> like, who are these people? Like, we'd be so embarrassed or just find it hilarious, whatever. And that's what I love because that also goes forward, right? Mm -hmm. God willing that we're here another 10 years from now. I am so excited to see what those two people look like. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that we're two people that will ensure that 
we don't get stagnant, that we continue to grow. So that's the greatest part about it is just knowing that hey, every year it's gotten better. And that doesn't mean we're without challenges. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's a marriage for goodness sakes. We have challenges like anybody else. I know 100% our ability to cope with challenges is way better, way oh, healthier. Sure. Um, and we have a deeper respect for each other. And I, you know, have every intention of continuing that, but that's the whole fun of being in a relationship is I love where we're at now. I can't wait to see where we're at 10 years from now. That would be great. You know, and if <laughs> this right now is the best part, you know, of the next 10 years, we fell off track somewhere. <laughs> yes, you know? for sure. Hopefully so, that doesn't happen. <laughs> no, and it won't because, and that's where it's important to find a partner. And I don't, let me say this, that if, if your significant other is not on the same page with you and maybe is negative right now, I'm not saying you just go do your own thing, you know, or whatever. Just have patience with them. Yeah. You know, just as you want them to be compassionate and tolerant with your path, be the same with them, you know, because everybody's on their own path. And if there's, you fell in love with that person for a reason, if that's still there, then give them, give them some grace, give them some, some space. Because if, if I hadn't immediately jumped on your path, you know, cause it took me a while, like it oh, took it me took a while to very... catch up and we're still on different paths, oh, for sure. but we're on both positive you know, paths that are helping our overall beings. And that's what's important. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And it's been, it's been a journey watching it unfold. Mm. And I also think that if your partner isn't on board with what you're doing, it's really important to stand in your power in what you are doing and how it is benefiting yourself. And just be curious about how it can help you even more. And when your partner decides to get on their path, allow them to be on their path and don't change it. Don't try to correct it. Don't try to police it because it's not going to work. And I think that that flexibility between the two of us has really helped because I know my languaging can be way out there compared to your languaging and your spiritual tools and your spiritual practices. But at the end of the day, we still believe in God, the universe, the divine, and we believe in ourselves which right. is also truly important as well. And it's, and we're both on a, a positive trajectory, yeah. you know? So again, let's say somebody is on a spiritual quest and their significant partner is very abusive and, you know, is, is, is very toxic or whatever the case. Okay. Well, we're not saying that, well, you need to give them grace and just let them be jerks. The, the difference to clarify there is, you know, you and I were on different paths, but we inherently want to be better people. Right. And that's important. We were willing to put in the effort and the time to see how much elevated we could become. And so that's what I'm referring to. I'm not telling anybody to stay in a bad situation that is completely counterproductive for what right. they're trying to get accomplished. And sometimes we, you know, we outgrow relationships. Sure. So, and that happens too. Let's go back to your book. Mm-hmm. Who is this book for? Well, it's for anybody. It's purposely very short, you know, and that was, again, for the intention that it was written, it was something that you know, I could sit down and read really fast in, in one night. So it's not a super detailed, super elaborate book. It, it's kind of more like bullet points and just things that to be mindful of as we go through our day and go through this life and just little basics on how we can be better people, how we can stay aligned in our truth, but it's for everybody. I do have a desire in me to write another book, 
or maybe I do a deeper dive. At the time that that was written, we weren't married. We definitely didn't have a child. And so I'm a different human being today as a result of both of those. And, and you know, just be more worldly and whatever, you know, in my experiences that I, I am very proud that I still stand by everything in books. I hear authors are like, oh man, you know, I wrote that at a certain stage of my life and I would change a lot of things. And, and I'm fortunate, like I wouldn't, like, I think that that book stands alone for a good guidepost for people. And I give a lot of book recommendations within the book. Yes. So that's one thing I did try to do is if you want to do a deep dive on any particular subject matter, I have that book in there. I reference that. I reference a lot of books. Yeah. Think of it as a quick reference guide. Exactly. And a reminder for mindset and energy shifts and things like that. You do talk about it's never a money problem. It's an idea problem in the book. So if you are struggling with money, I feel that that concept right there is super powerful. Cause I know that for me, when I was starting my business, I would always go back to, to that mm. because when you're starting a business, it costs a lot of money to, sure. to start a business. And so what are my ideas? How can I create with the universe mm. so that money can flow to me in a different way that will take care of me? And so I just, I appreciate that you talked about that in the book as well. On the subject of money, I, I break down that money is not bad. It's not good. It's, it's completely neutral. It's a tool to have opportunities that you want in your life, whether that be freedom or travel or whatever the case may be. But as I point out in the book, you could take money confiscated from a drug dealer and build churches with it. Mm -hmm. You can also have a church that can fund a drug cartel. The money itself is neutral. It's simply a tool. And I think a lot of people, especially in the spiritual realm, have some issues with money. They don't view it as what it really is. And it's simply an exchange of energy. That's right. That's all that it is. It's an exchange of energy. And if we really boil it down, it is the incentive that we receive for the amount that we give. Right. Absolutely. And that's what's important about it. But yeah, that was something a mentor of mine told me. Um, Again, I was probably maybe early 20s or 19 even, but I didn't have anything. I, I literally had no money. I just had a lot of ambition and drive. Whenever I would complain about money, you know, he would stop me. And this guy, the other thing that just reminded me of that is he used to always say, whoa, 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 I want you to end every sentence with, and that's the way I want it. And that was that's powerful. powerful. <laughs> that was very powerful. So when I said, I'm having money struggles, he'd be like, whoa, whoa, is that the way you want it? And I'd be like, of course not. And he goes, then quit saying that Yeah. You know, because your words are powerful. But he was the one that told me, he said, Kyle, there's never a money problem. There's only an idea problem. And he said, the unfortunate part about where we live in now is if we encounter a situation where we're on a financial struggle or strain, the first thing we want to do is go run and borrow from somebody, you know, so whether that be from a bank or a family member or whatever. And by doing that, we never give our infinite intelligence a chance to really bring it to us creatively and, and find other avenues. So really give yourself permission to figure out, okay, here's something that I have that requires money. What idea can I come up with that I can manifest this money instead of just Hey, let me some money. I think that's a powerful reminder. Mm-hmm. And I loved that he had you say that after each yeah. statement. I mean, again, I was super young and I'm so grateful that I had something like this in my life. But he used to just say, after everything you say about yourself or your situation, follow it up. It doesn't have to be out loud. It can be mentally, but with, and that's the way I want it. 
if you make that a discipline, it's amazing how negative you actually are. Or at least I was, I was saying things I did not want. And I almost felt like I was a monk sometimes because I didn't want to say anything because everything rolling around my head was negative, which was not what I wanted. And so I'd have to really, really force what I wanted this to be because you have an external and internal programmer. Absolutely. You know, your external is the words that's coming back in. And then your thoughts are the internal. And it's hard. I mean, it's impossible to control all your thoughts. Our brains run through an incredible amount of thoughts every second. But, you know, I'm also a believer that we're not necessarily all of our thoughts for our actions. Mm -hmm. Right. So you can have some negative thoughts that you can reconcile within, but it's it's what you actually act upon is who you truly are and you know where that's gonna go, you know, out into the universe. I absolutely love it. Tell everybody where they can get your book. Sure. So it's pretty much at all the outlets. It's on Amazon. It's also available on Audible, which if anybody has ever heard recordings of themselves, I was the narrator on it and it still makes me cringe to this day. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a very awkward thing to do to sit down and and read a book into a microphone with all the inflections that you need. And it's <laughs> it's interesting. So don't judge me too harshly on that. But on the tangible book format, anywhere you would buy a book, you can get it. And like I said, I mean, don't don't expect too much. It's it's you know about that thick. <laughs> it's an hour long book, y'all. It's an hour long yeah. book, super short read. It's called I Am in Control. And you will also find the link in the show notes as well. So if you'd like to purchase the book for yourself or friend, it would be great. It's a really quick read. And again, it was designed for Kyle to read it quarterly to remind himself of just basic self-help principles mm -hmm. and to take control. Yep, exactly. Well, thank you so much for being here. It, it was my pleasure. It's an honor to be here. Yay. And thanks for all you do and all the impact that you have out there. It's incredible. I'm so proud of you. Thank you, my dear. All right, y'all. Make sure you like and subscribe. We are so grateful for you to listen today. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Bye. Yay, you've made it to the end of the show. That shows me that you are committed to evolving and creating the life you truly love and desire. I'm so excited to be on this journey with you. Make sure you click the subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. We have shows going out semi-weekly and also please leave an honest review. I would greatly appreciate it if you did. If you'd like to receive a free gift from me, head on over to theimmyrobison.com, theimmyrobison.com. Claim your free gift. You'll also find that link in the show notes. I'm sending you lots and lots of love and light. Many blessings to you, my friend. Bye.